Volume Two, Part Two, Chapter Twenty Seven, of the Ingenious Gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha, by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra, translated by John Ormsby, eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Volume Two, Part Two, Chapter Twenty Seven, wherein it is shown who Master Pedro and his ape were together with the mishap don quixote had in the braying adventure which he did not conclude as he would have liked or as he had expected cid hamet the chronicler of this great history begins this chapter with these words i swear as a catholic christian with regard to which his translator says that cid hamet swearing as a catholic christian he being as no doubt he was a moor only meant that just as a catholic christian taking an oath swears or ought to swear what is true and tell the truth in what he avers so he was telling the truth as much as if he swore as a catholic christian in all he chose to write about quixote especially in declaring who master pedro was and what was the divining ape that astonished all the villages with his divinations he says then that he who has read the first part of this history will remember well enough the Hines de Pasamonte, whom, with other galley-slaves, Don Quixote set free in the Sierra Morena, a kindness for which he afterwards got poor thanks and worse payment from that evil-minded, ill-conditioned set. This Hines de Pasamonte, Don Hinesillo de Parapia, Don Quixote called him, it was that stole Dapple from Sancho Panza, which, because by the fault of the printers, neither the how nor the when was stated in the first part, has been a puzzle to a good many people who attribute to the bad memory of the author what was the error of the press in fact however Inez stole him while sancho panza was asleep on his back adopting the plan and device that brunello had course to when he stole sacripante's horse from between his legs at the siege of albraca and as has been told sancho afterwards recovered him this Inez then afraid of being caught by the officers of justice who were looking for him to punish him for his numberless rascalities and offences which were so many and so great that he himself wrote a big book giving an account of them resolved to shift his quarters into the kingdom of aragon and cover up his left eye and take up the trade of a puppet showman for this as well as juggling he knew how to practise to perfection from some released christians returning from barbary it so happened he bought the ape which he taught to mount upon his shoulder on his making a certain sign and to whisper or seem to do so in his ear thus prepared before entering any village whither he was bound with his show and his ape he used to inform himself at the nearest village or from the most likely person he could find as to what particular things had happened there and to whom and bearing them well in mind the first thing he did was to exhibit his show sometimes one story sometimes another but all lively amusing and familiar as soon as the exhibition was over he brought forward the accomplishments of his ape assuring the public that he divined all the past and the present but as to the future he had no skill for each question answered he asked two reals and for some he made a reduction just as he happened to feel the pulse of the questioners and when now and then he came to houses where things that he knew of had happened to the people living there even if they did not ask him a question not caring to pay for it he would make the sign to the ape and then declare that it had said so and so which fitted the case exactly in this way he acquired a prodigious name and all ran after him 
on other occasions being very crafty he would answer in such a way that the answers suited the questions and as no one cross-questioned him or pressed him to tell how his ape divined he made fools of them all and filled his pouch the instant he entered the inn he knew don quixote and sancho and with that knowledge it was easy for him to astonish them and all who were there but it would have cost him dear had don quixote brought down his hand a little lower when he cut off king marsilio's head and destroyed all his horsemen as related in the preceding chapter so much for master pedro and his ape and now to return to don quixote of la mancha after he had left the inn he determined to visit first of all the banks of the ebro and that neighbourhood before entering the city of saragossa for the ample time there was still to spare before the jousts left him enough for all with this object in view he followed the road and travelled along it for two days without meeting any adventure worth committing to writing until on the third day as he was ascending a hill he heard a great noise of drums trumpets and musket shots at first he imagined some regiment of soldiers was passing that way and to see them he spurred rocinante and mounted the hill on reaching the top he saw at the foot of it over two hundred men as it seemed to him armed with weapons of various sorts lances crossbows partisans halberds and pikes and a few muskets and a great many bucklers he descended the slope and approached the band near enough to see distinctly the flags make out the colours and distinguish the devices they bore especially one on a standard or ensign of white satin on which there was painted a very lifelike style an ass like a little sard with its head up its mouth open and its tongue out as if it were in the act and attitude of braying and round it were inscribed in large characters these two lines they did not bray in vain or alcades twain from this device don quixote concluded that these people must be from the braying town and he said so to sancho explaining to him what was written on the standard at the same time he observed that the man who had told them about the matter was wrong in saying that the two who brayed were regidors for according to the lines of the standard there were alcades to which sancho replied senor there's nothing to stick at in that for maybe the regidors who brayed then came to be alcades of their town afterwards and so they may go by both titles moreover it has nothing to do with the truth of the story whether the brayers were alcades or regidors provided at any rate they did bray for an alcadi is just as likely to bray as a regidor they perceived in short clearly that the town which had been twitted had turned out to do battle with some other that had jeered it more than was fair or neighbourly don quixote proceeded to join them not a little to sancho's uneasiness for he never relished mixing himself up in expeditions of that sort the members of the troop received him into the midst of them taking him to be some one who was on their side don quixote putting up his visor advanced with an easy bearing and demeanour to the standard with the ass and all the chief men of the army gathered round him to look at him staring at him with the usual amazement that everybody felt on seeing him for the first time don quixote seeing them examining him so attentively and that none of them spoke to him or put any question to him determined to take advantage of their silence so breaking his own he lifted up his voice and said worthy sirs i entreat you as earnestly as i can not to interrupt an argument i wish to address to you until you find it displeases or wearies you and if that come to pass on the slightest hint you give me i will put a seal upon my lips and a gag upon my tongue they all bade him say what he liked 
for they would listen to him willingly with this permission don quixote went on to say i sirs am a knight-errant whose calling is that of arms and whose profession is to protect those who require protection and give help to such as stand in need of it some days ago i became acquainted with your misfortune and the cause which impels you to take up arms again and again to revenge yourselves upon your enemies and having many times thought over your business in my mind i find that according to the laws of combat you are mistaken in holding yourselves insulted for a private individual cannot insult an entire community unless it be by defying it collectively as a traitor because he cannot tell who in particular is guilty of the treason for which he defies it of this we have an example in don diego ordonez de lara who defied the whole town of zamora because he did not know that villido dolfos alone had committed the treachery of slaying his king and therefore he defied them all and the vengeance and the reply concerned all though to be sure senor don diego went rather too far indeed very much beyond the limits of a defiance for he had no occasion to defy the dead or the waters or the fishes or those yet unborn and all the rest of it as set forth but let that pass for when anger breaks out there's no father governor or bridle to check the tongue the case being then that no one person can insult a kingdom province city state or entire community it is clear there is no reason for going out to avenge the defiance of such an insult inasmuch as it is not one a fine thing it would be if the people of the clock town were to be at loggerheads every moment with every one who called them by that name or the casoleros berengeneros bayonatos jaboneros or the bearers of all the other names and titles that are always in the mouth of the boys and common people it would be a nice business indeed if all these illustrious cities were to take huff and revenge themselves and go about perpetually making trombones of their swords in every petty quarrel no no god forbid there are four things for which sensible men and well-ordered states ought to take up arms draw their swords and risk their persons lives and properties the first is to defend the catholic faith the second to defend one's life which is in accordance with natural and divine law the third in defence of one's honour family and property the fourth in the service of one's king in a just war and if to these we choose to add a fifth which may be included in the second in defence of one's country to these five as it were capital causes there may be added some others that may be just and reasonable and make it a duty to take up arms but to take them up for trifles and things to laugh at and be amused by rather than offended looks as though he who did so was altogether wanting in common sense moreover to take an unjust revenge and there cannot be any just one is directly opposed to the sacred law that we acknowledge wherein we are commanded to do good to our enemies and to love them that hate us a command which though it seems somewhat difficult to obey is only so to those who have in them less of god than of the world and more of the flesh than of the spirit for jesus christ god and true man who never lied and could not and cannot lie said as our lawgiver that his yoke was easy and his burden light he would not therefore have laid any command upon us that it was impossible to obey thus sirs you are bound to keep quiet by human and divine law the devil take me said sancho to himself at this but this master of mine is a theologian or if not faith he's as like one as one egg is like another don quixote stopped to take breath and observing that silence was still preserved 
had a mind to continue his discourse and would have done so had not sancho interposed with his smartness for he seeing his master pause took the lead saying my lord don quixote of la mancha who once was called the knight of the rueful countenance but now is called the knight of the lions is a gentleman of great discretion who knows latin and his mother tongue like a bachelor and in everything that he deals with or advises proceeds like a good soldier and has all the laws and ordinances of what they call combat at his fingers ends so you have nothing to do but to let yourselves be guided by what he says and on my head be it if it is wrong besides which you have been told that it is folly to take offence at merely hearing a bray i remember when i was a boy i brayed as often as i had a fancy without any one hindering me and so elegantly and naturally that when i brayed all the asses in the town would bray but i was none the less for that the son of my parents who were greatly respected and though i was envied because of the gift by more than one of the high and mighty ones of the town i did not care two farthings for it and that you may say i am telling the truth wait a bit and listen for this art like swimming once learnt is never forgotten and then taking hold of his nose he began to bray so vigorously that all the valleys around rang again one of those however that stood near him fancying he was mocking them lifted up a long staff he had in his hand and smote him such a blow with it that sancho dropped helpless to the ground don quixote seeing him so roughly handled attacked the man who had struck him lance in hand but so many thrust themselves between them that he could not avenge him far from it finding a shower of stones rained upon him and crossbows and muskets unnumbered levelled at him he wheeled rocinante round and as fast as his best gallop could take him fled from the midst of them commending himself to god with all his heart to deliver him out of this peril in dread every step of some ball coming in at his back and coming out at his breast and every minute drawing his breath to see whether it had gone from him the members of the band however were satisfied with seeing him take to flight and did not fire on him they put up sancho scarcely restored to his senses on his ass and let him go after his master not that he was sufficiently in his wits to guide the beast but dapple followed the footsteps of rocinante from whom he could not remain a moment separated don quixote having got some way off looked back and seeing sancho coming waited for him as he perceived that no one followed him the men of the troop stood their ground till night and as the enemy did not come out to battle they returned to their town exulting and had they been aware of the ancient custom of the greeks they would have erected a trophy on the spot end of volume two part two chapter twenty seven recording by expatriate in bangor maine